All right, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, we're going to stand and sing. Oh boy, what's the song that we're singing? Great is thy faithfulness. There it is. It's been a day. All right, so we do not have a uh, piano this evening, so we'll do it a cappella. Uh, they did get stacked in the back because we have an event coming up this weekend. So if you want one, they're, they're on the back or you can look at the screen. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I sing. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you. You may be seated. We'll be in two passages this evening. We'll start off in Proverbs chapter 18, and then we'll jump over to Luke chapter 18. <coughs> So it's about that time when your family starts to harass you about getting a Christmas list together so they can start getting your uh, gifts. And if you remember as a kid, you just had this long list of everything that you could think of, toys and games and video games and all these kind of things. And you, you know, if your, your mom and dad wasn't rich enough to buy it, who did you uh, harass to get you the gift? Grandma and Grandpa. And I remember this one Christmas, I was big into uh, castles and knights, and they had a toy, it's, uh, the brand was Imaginex, and they, they made all kinds of these castle pieces that snapped together, it had little figures, 
Uh, they had uh, cannons and dragons that you could shoot little darts at, at the figures and such. And I was really big into this. And I remember you know, walking down the aisle, and that's the thing that I wanted for Christmas. And so you, uh, you talk with grandma and grandpa. And I remember that year, I think my grandma and grandpa and my aunt and uncle combined together, because this was a kind of a spendy gift uh, to get it for me. So it's that time of year, again, where uh, you're looking for people are asking you for Christmas presents. As a kid, you had this long list. But you know, today, I don't have anything on my list right now. <laughs> I can't find anything that I want. And you know the reason for that? Anything that I want right now, I just go out and buy it. I don't need to wait till Christmas to harass anybody for it. I just go out and get it. And you can see the progression there. As a kid, you don't have any income or very little, and so you, you've got to beg grandma and grandpa, mom and dad to get you the gift. But when you're older, and you become self-sufficient, you get your legs underneath, you get a job, you can just go out and buy the things that you need, the things that you want. There's this progression from needing and begging, in a sense, to I don't need anybody anymore. And this is a, you know, in a human progression that is a, a good thing. But in the spiritual realm, that is not the correct progression of going from a state of dependence on the Lord to independence of the Lord. You're moving in the wrong direction. And sometimes we, uh, we gradu gradually work that way to where, ah, I'm not sure that we need God anymore. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, I made some comments about the phrase that I kept hearing pop up over and over again, that the phrase is, we need God now more than ever, which is true. But that was also true five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And the fact that we had it in our minds at one point that we didn't need God is the reason why we're seeing this mess that we're in today. And yes, we need God. We desperately need God. We've always desperately needed God. And there's not a time when you don't desperately need God. But it's that mentality where everything's okay now. We've got our feet underneath us. Everything's decent. We forget God. And now we're in the mess. Read, we can read um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 23. Proverbs 18, verse 23 says this, The poor useth, useth entreaties, but the rich answereth roughly. We're going to deal with the first half there for a second. The poor uses entreaties. This entreaties has a, a begging, a desperation, I need your help. All right, we've got, uh, you know, if you go out the light, here, you'll usually see somebody standing there with a sign, uh, and we see that all over the place. When those people are holding signs, they are needing. Are they uh, signs that are demanding? I need help, and you better give it to me right now. What's the signs typically say? Please help. What else? Have three kids. God bless. Right? This is a very emotional poll a begging pole, not a high-handed. The needy, the poor, uses entreaties. In the Christian life, we are commanded to be, we're told to be, poor in spirit, low and contrite of heart, humble. How is your entreaties with the Lord? When you pray, are you in this I am desperately needing you, God, or have you graduated and walked away from him and kind of made high-handed 
requests of him or maybe moved and said, you know, I just don't need God anymore. And now we can turn over to Luke chapter 18, where the Lord gives a, another parable. Last week we dealt with the first nine, eight verses, and we talked about uh, he gave the parable to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. This continuing praying and praying and praying and praying, knowing that our judge is a good judge. And the Lord led us back to um, verses 9 uh, through uh, 14 for this evening. So let's read that. Luke 18, verse 9. And he spake a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. There's that self-sufficiency again. That they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's pray, and then we'll look into this text. Father, we have gathered here once again in this uh, midweek in order to uh, take a short break from the world and to gather together with your people to hear your truths. And Father, it would be a waste of time if you were not here. And so, Father, I, I would ask that you would make this time very beneficial. Your presence would come and your spirit would teach. Uh, Father, as my mind is tired and uh, foggy, I pray that you would give my, uh, my lips clarity and the Holy Spirit use uh, these words to your honor and glory. We ask this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. So if you have your notes, um, the first blank there, Spiritually self-sufficient. The spiritually self-sufficient. I've decided, since this is a very familiar passage, um, that we're not going to get very technical in going through the, uh, the inner workings of this passage. You know it. Uh, but as a brief summary, uh, just to recap once again, uh, the Lord gives a parable, and he is using this parable to confront uh, basically the Pharisees, but anybody who is trusting in their own righteousness to uh, make it through life. And so the Lord gives a parable. It says two guys went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a, a publican. A Pharisee is the re religious elite of the day. Everybody looked up to them as, hey, these are the, the righteous people in the world. Uh, then the publican is uh, considered the scum of the earth, the lowest. He's the tax collector. And they would often, their job was often uh, you know, beating people and making sure they get their tax money in on time, um, and they would often go and demand more money than actual the taxes were required so they could pocket some for themselves. Uh, they were looked down upon as traitors to their country. Uh, and so these are the people who are the low of s lowest of society. And the publican, the Pharisee gets up into the temple. They both go to the temple to pray. The publican, Pharisee gets up. And he just starts praying how wonderful of a guy he is. I'm not like this guy, the publican. And so he tells God how wonderful he is, but basically he's just making a showboat of it. But the publican, he comes in humbly, won't even lift his eyes towards heaven, 
and he's beating upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he understands his desperate situation in the world and needs God's mercy in his life. And the Lord tells us the result of these two, that the publican was the one who walked away justified. As we deal with this passage, uh, we're going to be looking at two peop- two, these two types of people. One is the self-sufficient, and the other is the spiritually bankrupt. And so we're going to divide these into, we've got three points here for each category. They're basically the same but opposites as we go. And as we look at each point, we're going to look at it from two perspectives, a salvation perspective, going from uh, unsaved to saved. And then as a saved individual, sometimes we, we still incorporate this self-sufficiency in our life, just in other areas. So number one, uh, if your blank is, I think your blank is different bullet points than mine is in my notes, Microsoft Word messed me up. Uh, so believe as a spiritually self-sufficient person. They believe that they are their hope. They are trusting in themselves. They believe they are their hope. He says that they trust it in themselves, and you look at the Pharisee and he says, I am not like this guy. I am better than that. I do this, 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 this. A spiritually self-sufficient person for salvation, who is rejecting salvation, who is not saved yet, they have the, the mantra in this life, basically, I've got this. I've got this. All right, how many of you are DIYers? You like to do it yourself. How many of you have gotten yourself into major trouble doing it yourself? (laughs) All right, so you get on Pinterest, and oh, these Christmas cookies look absolutely wonderful, and I'm going to do the same thing. And so you get out all your recipes, and you get out your cookbooks, and your cookie cutters, and frosting, and you are so confident in yourself. What happens five minutes later? Well, make it, I guess, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later. Catastrophe. You compare notes, right? Here's my cookie. Here's the Pinterest cookie. They don't look anything alike. You just want to throw yours in the trash and be done with it. This never happened. Look, the self-sufficient. They say, I've got this. I can do it myself. But we know from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The proud person, they are resting in their own accomplishments, their own righteousness, their own ability to get them through life into heaven. What they've done and who they are is what they are resting on. Now, a saved individual. We come to the Lord and we say, yes, I need salvation. I need the payment for sin to be paid on my behalf. That way I can go to heaven. But a spiritually self-sufficient person who is saved has the mantra, I've got it from here. God, I needed you for salvation, but let me just go through life the rest of my time here on earth in my own ability. Maybe you can think of a guy, maybe he hires a contractor to build him an entire house. And the guy comes, and he's got a flat piece of ground there. He starts digging. he He gets the foundation and the footers in. And then the owner who's hired this contractor comes and says, hey, look at that. The hard work of putting the foundation in is done. Let me just fire the contractor, and let me just do it the rest myself. All right, you take over that DIY project, and now you're left building this house on your own, and it's going to end in catastrophe. Is this how we view the Christian life? We need God to put that foundation in, 
but we can take over and work at the rest ourselves. But maybe it's not just strictly that. Okay, God, I need you for salvation, and then just walk away from him the rest of your time. Maybe it comes to specific jobs. And so maybe, yeah, I can't do plumbing, but I can do electrical, I can do carpet. And so you just pick and choose. God, I need you in these specific categories, but maybe my finances. I can handle the finances without you, God. Uh, raising kids, okay, I desperately need God there. And every parent said, yes, we, <laughs> we need God there. But, you know, when I'm at work, you know, I don't need the Lord in that. At what point would it be appropriate to do that? Is there any area that is appropriate to say, God, stay out of that room. Stay out of this part of my heart. The spiritually self-sufficient says, I've got this, whether it's for the entirety of their salvation, maybe it's salvation then on, or just specific areas. Are you resting in yourself? Number two, a spiritually self-sufficient person concludes they don't need God. Right? I am my own help. I am my own hope. Therefore, I don't need God in my life. So as we read through this passage, the Pharisee is praying. How many prayer requests did he have when he was praying? The Pharisee. Did the Pharisee have any requests? No, this is all about him. Right? I thank God. I'm not like this guy. I'm not like that guy. Not this, not that. I do this. He doesn't come to God with anything. He's not needy. He's got it himself. For salvation, the spiritually self-sufficient. Luke 5, 31 to 32, Jesus answered and said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right, so the Lord gives another illustration here. Who goes to the doctor? Who, call, who makes that phone call? The sick. Somebody who recognizes Something's not going right with my body. I'm noticing something is off. I'm sick. I need a doctor. But a person who, you know, who is in all their own senses feels that they are doing okay, when you say, Mom, I need to take you to the doctor, and she looks at her and says, I'm totally fine. What are you, crazy? I'm not going to the doctor. But when they find out, oh, I'm sick, that's when you come to the doctor. A spiritually self-sufficient person does not recognize that they are sick. I don't need God. And when we are sharing the gospel, this is actually the reason why we start with Romans 3.23. For all have spiritual sickness. Right? If a person doesn't believe that they have sinned, then there is no reason that they need Christ for salvation. That's why we start there. For all have sinned. If you can get that into their head, if they agree with that, then they have a, a, a case that they need to take to our great physician. But the self-sufficient doesn't need God. In salvation, an individual who is saved, Psalm, one, Psalm 10, verse 4, the wicked, through pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not an all in his thoughts. A proud person thinks they don't need God. Right? I've got it on my own, therefore I can stiff arm the Lord. I don't need him. Have you ever gotten yourself into trouble that way? 
and you actually needed somebody's help, but you were too proud to ask for it. So in, say, my senior, uh, junior year of high school, I, w- 